today's webinar. We have a guest speaker, Dr. Tara Reinhardt, who's going to be interviewed by InSource's own Karen Rusk. So we're looking forward to this information uh, about this very unusual situation that we're dealing with right at the moment. Uh, before we get into the actual webinar itself, uh, I'm going to uh, go over some housekeeping rules. I do see that there's a question. We did not create handouts for this particular presentation because it is an interview. So you should have gotten the link this morning in your reminder email to, to join us with those instructions, but there are no handouts for this particular, situ this particular webinar. Um, please open your question and answer box or Q&A box. It should be at the bottom of your screen. And we're asking you to post your questions there. You can post them anonymously if you choose. Uh, chat box has been disabled, so please don't try to post questions in the, in the chat box. It is not enabled at this time. We're not providing certificates or surveys uh, for this webinar. Uh, you can visit our website at insource.org and look for our archived webinars. We typically record our webinars as we go along and they eventually end up there for people to review in the future. And if you have any questions, you can contact insource at insource.org. We would encourage you to, to do so. So, um, Let's see who we've got. Got everybody with us. Again, we've got Karen Rusk. Karen, you can wave. Dr. Reinhardt, you can wave. And Miss Jill, you all know Jill, Jill the Jill and Kathy show. <laughs> so, um, okay, great. Okay. The next slide is a legal disclaimer. Our information is for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as any type of legal advice. It's not intended to provide, uh, or it's only intended to provide general information about the special education process. And, and so, of course, as parents, anytime you have a question or a, a legal concern, certainly you have the right to consult with an attorney to get that question answered. Okay, at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Karen. Um, I do see that I've got some questions posted. How should we deal with initial timelines? How should we ask parents to extend their permissions? Okay, these are definitely going to be Dr. Reinhardt questions. <laughs> How am I going to get all of my students, uh, students required minutes if I'm unable to contact them due to lack of resources? Okay, um, just kind of going back to the question piece, there may be some situations that are very, very fact specific. And this may not be, we may not be able to answer those uh, during this presentation. Certainly going back to your administrators probably could be a, a great place to start to get some of those questions answered. But Dr. Reinhardt is going to uh, discuss this situation uh, from her perspective. And all right, go ahead, Karen. Before you, before you get started, Karen, I do want to just real briefly say, we do have somebody with their hand up if you would please post your question in the chat box, in the question and answer box, that would be um, a way to get it answered because we aren't using the hand raising um, portion either. So please post your question in the question and answer box. Thank you. Well, hi everybody, I'm Karen Rusk. Um, many of you may recognize me from um, my 
a thing that I do on Facebook called Coffee with Karen. Um, we've extended that to this webinar format right now because we wanted to make sure that we do an interview with Dr. Reinhardt. She's got her coffee and I've got mine. So we're going to get down to hopefully some of the knit and grit of some of these um, questions that we have about COVID-19. But first, I want to take the opportunity to thank Dr. Reinhardt for being with us today. We just always appreciate your time um, and your willingness to, to spend time with everyone today as we go through some of this. So thank you. You're welcome. So um, as everyone knows, um, we have a lot of students out there who have IEPs or have 504 plans. Um, and there are lots of concerns about the COVID-19 and how um, education has been changing lately. So um, let's just dive right in to some of our questions. So these are COVID-19 and students with disabilities and what families really need to know. So um, obviously a lot of our schools at this point have turned to e-learning days or remote learning days. So Dr. Reinhardt, can you help us understand what do remote learning days or e-learning days mean to these students? Sure, so we know there's a continuum of what even across the nation this is looking like for school districts and school buildings. Um, I think, you know, from all the way from completely closed um, to homework packets to continuous learning opportunities to e-learning or distance learning, um, and, and I don't believe we have any districts that are completely open at this point. So I would say really that continuum stops at that e-learning or distance learning component. Um, they all look very different depending on the, the grade level, depending on um, the student's current services and what they were receiving, um, depending on the setting they were in. So. I think one uh, one expert that I heard said, you know, this is almost as if we've done a change of placement, but out of our control. Um, you know, the governor or the president has done this to us, um, and it's not what any of us feel like is um, safe or even close to. And so, uh, you know, depending on kind of where your district falls or your building falls um, on that continuum, your services are probably going to look different based on where where they were. Um, obviously, we didn't get much planning opportunity for this. We weren't um, forewarned that this was going to happen. And so a lot of educators are, are really working hard to ensure that um, what we are providing is appropriate and, and the best in light of the circumstances we're under. Um, thinking about resources, not everyone has the same kind of access at home. Um, that, you know, to, to be able to do e-learning or distance learning in the way that, um, you know, we would hope. And so homework packets, um, you know, are, are a, a decent shot at trying to get instruction to continue, um, but still, you know, making sure we're doing the communication as educators into the, the, the family um, setup, whatever that might be. And Providing that support uh, may look like consultation, um, but again, trying to continue to um, allow a student to make whatever progress in light of the circumstances they could make in, in with the resources that they have in front of them. Right. So we're talking a little bit about in special education law, we talk a lot about instructional days. Mm -hmm. And so can you help us define what an instructional day is now and what that may look like now? You kind of covered a little yeah. bit of that, but. 
Yeah, so again, every district is different. I know, um, you know, with the, the waiver days that are being offered, um, some districts are doing a three-day week, uh, two-day week, you know, depending on kind of how they're utilizing their waiver days. Um, the instructional day does look different. I know specifically for us, um, we looked at the age of the student and what would be appropriate um, kind of an hour by hour, you know, instructional time and work time. What does that look like? What, what can a kindergartner do versus a senior in high school? And, and making that best based on, um, luckily our district, we have some of the most um, renowned uh, instructional leadership folks in the area of online learning. So we're very blessed to have um, a, an amazing chief technology officer as well as e-learning folks that, um, you know, with, with the only online high school in the state, um, you know, that we, we, we do benefit from that. And so we've really looked at that research to see what's appropriate for the different ages and different grade levels. And so we've taken that into consideration as we've given our educators guidance on what that should look like. Um, when we think about an instructional day, uh, you know, we know that we're, we don't have teachers in, in homes. Um, even the teachers that are teachers are trying to teach their students, but also teach their own children. Um, so again, the instructional day looks very different than what it would look like in a brick and mortar schoolhouse. And so thinking about um, what's appropriate also, um, you know, we, we highly recommend to our educators that they're checking in with families or whatever that family um, structure is to see what a family can handle at this time. Um, we know that there's a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety outside of the school setting or the school realm, um, thinking about work and employment, um, thinking about just getting food. Um, so some of those kinds of things, you know, we, we absolutely want students to continue to get an educational um, support system, but we also know there are other things that families are dealing with right now. And so we're trying to really uh, kind of shorten our instructional day so that families aren't feeling so overwhelmed and stressed and, and anxious. And we've been getting some feedback that, you know, the number of emails that educators are providing because they want to provide support. Um, they want to make sure kids feel like they're getting what they need, but for some families, it's just too much. And, you know, they're just trying to, to figure out what the day has, um, is going to unfold. And, you know, we're, we have um, conference calls in the morning with the Department of Ed, and then we have the governor press releases at 2.30 every day. And so, you know, unfortunately, we're, we're kind of functioning every six hours. You know, we know about what's going to happen for a six hour time period. And then after that, we don't know. And so um, we have to be very flexible. So when we think about defining an instructional day, it's flexible. Um, it has to be flexible. It has to be able to balance with the family needs, the student needs, um, educator needs, just the, the whole um, partnership that we have and making sure we're, we're meeting the needs of all um, because we're, we're all in an area that we've never been in before. And I think um, one of the things that I've heard at the national level is, you know, IDEA was not written for a pandemic. Um, the things that we all hope and the things that we all know uh, we want to offer for our students with disabilities and our families with disabilities, 
might not be possible in this time. There, there are things that you know, I want to do that I physically can't go into homes and do because I could be putting our students at risk and our families at risk and myself at risk. And so those are the kinds of decisions that kind of go into what does an instructional day look like? And it, it, it absolutely looks very different than what we would say would be FAPE um, as prescribed by IDEA when it was written outside of a pandemic. Gotcha. So in IEPs, there are often frequency and length of time of services. How can families know if their student is receiving appropriate services as stated in, in their IEP? Yeah, that, that was definitely a question um, that we've asked the U.S. Department of Ed Office of Special Education Programs. So um, we're very blessed to be able to be on some calls with them every Friday to get guidance straight from, you know, our Lori Vanderblug, who was in charge there, um, and, and she has said over and over, you know, it doesn't make sense even for the student's best interest to try to provide provisions minute to minute um, from the IEP to the home setting, because again, this is a change of placement that we never um, expected, nor did we plan for, nor would we recommend. Um, so really, it's about what is your student what is your family unit able to do? Um, we, we've had parents that have called that said they lost their packet and they don't wanna be in trouble and you know, those kinds of things. And we're like, no, it's okay. Really, we, we're, we're not doing this to add anxiety. We really want you to just breathe. Um, definitely breathe, take a deep breath and know that it's gonna be okay. And we're gonna, we're gonna we know next year is gonna be weird. Um, we're gonna be making things up. We're gonna be, um, reteaching things. Uh, we know that. And that's for every student. That's not just our students with disabilities. And so I guess that's the thing to keep into perspective is this, this isn't just an Indiana um, student with disability crisis. This is a crisis across the, the world. Um, and it, it includes all of us. And so, um, you know, we don't want to get so caught in the compliance that we're not using best judgment and common sense around what can a student do in this time. We, we have some students that parents have reported, we're not able to get them to do anything because they're so anxious about why they're not in school and they don't understand what's going on around them that um, they just can't learn. And we know that uh, a student when they're in that stress, you know, in their amygdala, they're not learning anyway. And so it, I think we just have to use our best judgment, work as a team with our families and our educators to determine what is best for the student in light of the circumstances. And we take it day at a time. Today might not be a good day for anything. Tomorrow may be a rock star day and we can get through some things and you know that's the day that we're gonna set up some phone calls or video conferencing or um, maybe some emails back and forth and, and we can really make some things happen. But I think we have to give lots of grace, um, honestly, to the student and what they're, they're able to, to do at that moment. Okay. So what should families do if they feel that their student needs more help? Definitely reach out to your teachers. Um, some of them are worried they're bothering families um, because they want, they, they, they don't, they want to help. Um, sometimes they just don't know what's the best way to help. 
Um, so just whatever means you typically communicate with your teacher, um, whether it's your teacher of record, your gen ed teacher, whoever that might be. And um, if you don't hear back, reach out again or reach out to your building administrators. Um, district administrators obviously are always, you know, we're, we're able to help as well. Um, but we would just say reach out. Um, please, if you feel like you want more help, please reach out. Um, we have suggested our educators ask the family, like that's the first thing they ask, what can I do to support you? Um, I think uh, one of our calls, it was, it was just, it was common sense, but someone had to say it to, re to remind us all that some of our parents um, didn't want to be teachers, first of all. They didn't go into the teaching profession and never thought that they would be a good teacher. Um, never had a methods course in how to be a teacher never did student teaching and had an expert teacher kind of bringing them up as, as some of us as educators, most of us as educators did. And now they're just expected to try to figure out this thing called teaching. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we believe it's a very noble profession and, and, and not everybody's cut out to be a teacher and it's okay. Um, so I think it's okay to need help. You should need help. Um, so please reach out, uh, you know, whether it's via email, text, phone, d please reach out would be what I say. Perfect. So we kind of covered this other question about how can these services be delivered and what it might look like. We've kind of talked about that, but is there anything else you want to expand on there? I think, um, you know, again, I, we have been trying to use video conferencing as much as possible. Um, even if it's, you know, you have a phone of some sort that you can just FaceTime or, you know, use some kind of, um, some kind of video conferencing option. Luckily, there are a lot of free options out there right now. Um, a lot of the, the vendors are being very kind and offering some free resources um, for all of us. I know there are internet companies that are also like really understanding that our kiddos need access to the internet. Um, so I think trying to just help in whatever way you can with that technology. I know not every district is a one-to-one -one district. We're just not there yet. Um, but check in with your districts to see, you know, what available equipment might be there. Um, you know, we're not a one-to-one -one district but we're trying to find ways that we can get some devices into homes. Um, we've had some companies that are willing to donate um, some internet access packages and some other things like that. So again, um, services are gonna look and, and should look different for every kid as they are individualized. And so I think just whatever's working for your home and your child, that's the piece that again, you need to communicate that with your educator because they might not know, you know, we've, we've not been in this realm before. So we don't, we might not know what you have access to in your home. And again, if you have multiple children, um, but you only have one device, then you have to figure out all of that. And so again, we don't, no student will be punished for her not being able to do this work. And, and um, that has come from Dr. McCormick herself is that you know no one should slide backwards in this moment grades attendance you know any of that um we're just gonna we're, we're really gonna support in the best way we can in light of the circumstances um i'm gonna go to one of the questions in the q a box right now they've asked what is a one-to-one -one district 
Oh, I, sorry about that. Um, so we have some districts that as part of um, almost their textbook fee or the textbook adoption, um, they may be giving out an, an Apple product or a Chromebook. Um, it's some kind of technology device. So it, it might be a computer of some sort, like a laptop. Um, some districts use iPads or, you know, an Apple device that um, you as the family will say, yes, I, I would like my student to have access to this. Um, there is a fee that is like a textbook rental fee. Um, so you're renting the device. There's some insurance that goes with that. And, and unfortunately, some liability because sometimes they do get broken or lost. And so, um, you know, you work with the, the finance department to figure all of that out. But the one-to-one -one districts are the ones who, they're probably a little further along in the e-learning realm because they may have been having like a few e-learning days or they may on a snow day. Um, we don't call off school on a snow day. We just don't go physically to school. We do it all through um, some e-learning. And so every district is kind of in a different space. It depends on accessibility to um, the internet and you know what, what families have access to. So every district is different. It's not anything statewide. Perfect. So students with IEPs and 504s also have accommodations. Do schools still have to provide these? And if so, what might these accommodations look like? Yeah, so um, specifically for, yes, they should um, be providing accommodations. I think um, a few of the, the questions that, that we've been asked as educators is um, what's appropriate in light of the circumstances? Are you making good faith efforts to provide the student the services and supports they need? And so accommodations would fall under that. Um, we would want to make sure that they have access. So if it's, for instance, text read aloud. So how could the student have access to that? Is that something that if it's a packet, um, maybe the teacher is setting up a time that they could call in to the student and read the packet aloud to the student so the student could do it. Is that something the family member would be willing to read it aloud to them? Is it um, a book on tape that or, a, you know, it's not on tape anymore, but on the internet, that's audio, an audio book, um, shortened assignments, you know, all of those accommodations can be done um, through remote learning and kind of that continuum, the homework packet, the continuous learning opportunities, or the e-learning or distance learning. You know, we're, we're able to make those accommodations um, just as if we were knee-to-knee -knee with kiddos. Um, so I think that's the important piece is that if you feel like an accommodation um, needs to be put into place and isn't, then again, reach out to your teacher. Um, they, they may just not be aware that it wasn't provided um, in maybe the, whatever the learning platform was that the student is using from the gen ed teacher. Maybe there's just some miscommunication. And again, um, I don't think it, it would be out of um, spite of not wanting to, right? It's just, you know, they're hurrying and trying to get some stuff available and they may it just may have been an oversight not okay to be an oversight but again just like we would in any setting come back to the table have that communication and get it put in place right we have about six more questions and then i just want to let people know that we will be getting to the questions that are in the q a box so we're not ignoring you we're just we, we're going to get there so we also have many students who have goals and accommodations for behavior mm -hmm. 
can you help families understand how these services could be impacted? Yeah, so we, we actually um, have been kind of tackling the services um, for behavior in a different way. Um, we're doing some social groups, uh, which is interesting to think about um, kind of what that looks like in a virtual or e-learning opportunity. Um, so we have been using Google Hangouts. Um, that has been our mode. I know Zoom has been trying to put some um, more protections or safety on. They've added some passwords and other things, but um, for our district, we're a G Suite district, so we use Google everything. Um, and our, our, we have password, we can password protect those um, kind of sessions. And so students will join in um, at a scheduled time with the, the educator and they'll provide a social skills group. So be teaching some behavioral supports, um, maybe doing some, you know, turn taking, we can play games, we can, you know, it's just, it's really, uh, our educators are being really innovative and really trying to come up with some creative ways to still work on the same goals they would if they were sitting in a classroom. And so how to do that virtually, um, it, again, it's, it's, it's pushed us to grow and um, provided some opportunities um, for us to sharpen kind of our, our tools and be able to provide supports in very different ways than maybe we would have not done in a school setting. And so I think, um, you know, a lot of behavior, my, my philosophy, and this is just Tara Reinhardt's philosophy, I, I can't speak for InSource or any other district or any other person. Um, however, behavior is communicating needs. And in my world, in my brain, um, every time there's a behavior, it's telling me something. And I have to be curious about what it's telling me. And so in light of the circumstances that we're currently in, um, we could see an increase in behaviors at home. We could see a decrease in behaviors at home. Um, we know that sometimes the skills that we have um, are outstripped by the environment or the expectations that are in that environment. And so um, I think, you know, for us, the routine and the schedule, you know, all of those things that are typical have been displaced. Um, my routine in my house is very different right now than what it typically is. And so I have to adjust my skill set to that new routine and that new um, environment. And so our students are doing the same thing and they're trying to understand, you know, what's going on in the world. Um, they're being inundated by um, maybe some scary information. And so they're trying to understand and rationalize what that means and how it impacts them and their families and their, their friends at school that they don't get to see anymore. Um, and quite frankly, sometimes our Google Hangouts are just so they can socialize so they can see their friends and they can see that they're okay and they're healthy. Um, and, and we can, we can work, practice skills just in that. And so I think, um, you know, we're, we're going to continue to provide all of those. Um, again, communicate with your educators. If you notice something and if you need help with a certain behavior that, you know, this, this isn't a behavior we've ever seen before. And all of a sudden, you know, Joey's exhibiting this, um, let your let your educator know because they can sit down and problem solve with you. That's what we're here for. And we want to be super helpful um, in a time that 
you know, we don't have a lot of answers, but, but we can teach. And so, you know, if there are things that are going on and you just think, wow, I wonder how, how we should deal with this, reach out to your educator and they'll be there to support you. So do you have any tips for families for working with students who may not be as willing to use this alternative learning approach? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think baby steps, baby steps are important. Um, as we said, their whole world has flipped upside down on them. They're so used to just being in the routine of going to school, possibly getting on a school bus, you know, doing everything in a routine. And we are pretty um, scheduled when we're in a schoolhouse. And so I think that's something that, um, you know, as much as you can try to create a schedule in your house. Um, I know I have three teenagers. And so we've had to do that in our house that, you know, screen time is this time and school time is this time. And we're going to build in some outdoor breaks because we all need fresh air. And, you know, we're all sharing the same space and all trying to um, continue to function in our daily lives in a way that we've never done. And so I think um, just, again, offering supports to your, your children with maybe a schedule. Let's try, you know, and, and getting their input, obviously, to what that schedule needs to look like. When are you most hungry? Okay, let's put a snack break in. Um, you know, what's your hardest content area that you're really struggling with? Okay, let's do some breaks before and after that. So I think some um, just strategies like that, those are things that we typically think about in schools. But as you're thinking, you know, you're now the teacher, um, how can you structure their day enough? And, and maybe it's just that hour and a half. I think for our youngest population, we're saying, you know, instructional and work time should only be about an hour and a half a day. Well, that, that leaves a lot of free time. And so, you know, we, we can put some things in place. There's some I am working for. Um, cards, you know, we can, we can do some kind of positive reinforcers. I know there are tons of resources out there and I'm sure InSource has those um, available as well. But, but what are the things that you're struggling with or your student is struggling with? And again, reach out to your educators because I, they're probably going to have some suggestions and they're going to want to problem solve with you and try to figure that out. Great. And give, give yourself grace and your student grace that we know that this is hard. This is hard. Um, it's change. And so if, if it doesn't happen today, try again tomorrow. If it doesn't happen tomorrow, try the next day and just keep trying each day and do what you can do based on, you know, what you have going on in your house. Perfect. So do you have any additional tips for families whose students have shut down and refused to work or do any schoolwork at home? Yeah, I, I would reach out to your teachers, um, see if maybe, because again, um, sometimes with my teenagers, I can, a teacher can get them to do things I can't as their mother. And so um, sometimes, you know, utilizing some other adult resources that you have access to. Um, they're not used to you being their educator or telling them, you know, this part of their life. And so it just may just be like, I'm not going to do it. And you're not going to make me because you typically don't make me and you're not my teacher. Um, and, and these are things my teenagers have said to me, like, you're not my math teacher. You, 
you're teaching it wrong or whatever they may say, right? So I reach out to the adults that I, that I have resources with. So again, that could be your educators. Um, that could be the next door neighbor that, you know, maybe you FaceTime with and say, hey, you know, neighbor John, he says that you should do this and um, here's how we should, you know, maybe do it for five minutes and then take a break. And, and chunking really helps, um, you know, breaking down the assignments and maybe if it's a packet, don't give them the whole packet, you know, give them a little snippet of the packet. Um, for our district, we're, you know, we're not, um, we don't, we don't even know if we'll be collecting the packets just because of, you know, the idea of contamination and all that. Um, so cut it apart, um, put, put a piece of paper over it and just say, hey, we're just gonna do these five problems. That's all we're gonna do. Um, and, and, you know, if they'll maybe do one, then you, it's a victory. And so I think you're gonna have to um, think of everything that you do as a learning opportunity. So if it's a packet and the packet doesn't get done, but, um, you know, they did some, they watched, something on TV that was maybe educational. They took a walk or they did 10 jumping jacks. That's a PE standard. You know, so I mean, when, when you think about everything we do typically in our life, we're learning, our brain is, is firing and we're learning something. Um, don't discredit that. I think, you know, even though there maybe they've refused to do the actual packet that's in front of them, there's all kinds of learning opportunities that are in just your environment. And so, um, you know, you can sneak it in. Teachers are pretty sneaky about, you know, games that are games, but we actually learn in those games. So any of that kind of work too, um, I would say would be a good tip to, to try with students who are refusing. And again, it's, it, it seems like a long time, but this is pretty short term. Um, I think we counted with our waiver days, you know, it's, it's, it's less than 30 instructional days really. Um, so when we think about the grand scheme of things it it, I know it seems like a lot, but, um, you know, we'll present as much as we can and get as much as we can in, in the short term. Yeah, I know we've done math problems with dry erase markers on the windows yeah. and yep. in shaving cream and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. And that's right. another thing, Karen, that you brought up. Um, if there are materials you need at home. Um, you know, you feel like maybe you don't have the resources, please reach out to your educators about that too. Um, I know for our district, we're getting lots of donations um, because, you know, our, our business partners have said, hey, you know, we want to help if there's anything you need. Um, so if we know specifically kind of what are the things you need, you need dry erase markers or you mm -hmm. need, um, you know, crayons and, and whatever else, you know, let it let let your educators know so that they can respond to that as well. Because sometimes it's not even, you know, I need you to help me with how to teach this. It's, I don't even have the supplies. I need right. some supplies. So, um, you know, we can figure out ways to get that delivered. So you kind of answered this one. So I know for me, um, my son has had schoolwork that I do not know how to do. Me too. Um, <laughs> it is well above my level of education. Um, what do families do if they find themselves um, in those same situations? You've talked about reaching out to neighbors, reaching out to their teachers. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else? Well, so again, I have three teenagers and some of them are in AP courses in a, a career that I did not go into. 
Um, so we've been doing Google a lot. Um, there are other great resources, Khan Academy and, um, you know, some other tools. Um, we actually, for our, for our district, we put some resources on our website um, just for this, you know, some just different tools and resources. I know families, at least I'm getting bombarded as a parent with lots of free resources and I don't even know what's good and what's not. Um, so what we did is we went through and vetted those resources and then published them on our website so families could go straight there. Um, so that would be something to check out. Um, you know, you could try that. I think reaching out to your educator and asking them, do you have some resources on how to teach this? Because I don't know how. Um, you know, they, they may have a recommendation. A lot of our textbook companies have, um, especially for the secondary level, have put their resources online. Mm -hmm. So you might be able to log in and get some extra um, tutorials and tips. Um, some teachers are actually doing, they're, they're recording themselves teaching. Um, some of like if it's a math, you know, like chemistry or math or, you know, something kind of at that high school level, you know, they're, they're breaking it down for students. And so you can watch that video with your child and try to support. Um, yeah. So. Okay. You had um, also, we kind of addressed this before, but we've got two more questions, everybody, and then we're going to go to all your questions that I see piling up in the Q&A box. Um, I just thought it'd be easy to get through some of these easier questions before we hit some of these that are a bit more complex. So um, we talked a little bit about who families should contact if they have concern about their student with special education needs while we as a country are going through this COVID-19 crisis. Um, you had talked about the teacher's record or their teachers in general. Um, is there anybody else that you would have them be in special contact with? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, if you already have your parent support groups, so I know some of our families kind of have, you know, just their people they typically kind of uh, reach out to, um, I would say keep that going. Um, InSource obviously is a great resource, um, reach out to them as well. I think one of the important things, and this is for educators and families, um, but we all have to take care of ourselves mm -hmm. um, during this time as well. And I think um, sometimes we forget about that and just um, not, not necessarily staying healthy, but it's thinking through, um, you know, what, like, what are the things that we're doing to take care of our safety, our health, our welfare? Um, so checking in um, with people, even though we're using social distancing, you know, how can you still check in with others? You don't mm -hmm. want to be so isolated that, you know, you feel like you're in this alone because you're definitely not. Um, so reaching out to your educators, you know, your, your directors of special education, um, I hope that you find them welcoming and open. Um, I know, you know, our families, I, I hope that they feel like they could contact me anytime. Um, we use, we use Facebook, we use Twitter, you know, we use all kinds of ways to get in contact with each other on emails, um, just making sure that that you feel connected um, because if you're feeling connected and you're feeling like you know you're you still have lessened your anxiety um, because we know anxiety is contagious and as soon as you're kind of feeling stressed and, and feeling out of sorts 
you know, that's going to rub off on your family and they're going to feel it too. And then you're going to be dealing with your anxiety and their anxiety. So, um, you know, reaching out to, to your network, whoever your network is, um, you know, everybody has a different network, but I, I would hope that your director of special services is part of your network. Um, you know, if you have a school psychologist or, you know, a therapist that you really work closely with, you know, just keeping in touch with them. If it's just shooting them an email or text or a phone call, you know, just to say, hey, I just need to check in with you right now. That's okay. And it doesn't have to be a lengthy conversation. It doesn't have to be a case conference. It's just a, I need to check in. Um, and that's, I think we all need to be doing that with each other as well. Um, because it, this is uh, kind of, a, it feels unsurmountable. Um, and it's something none of us have ever planned for nor um, wish upon anyone. And it is a worldwide event. So, um, you know, I think checking in as much as you can. I know for some of our educators, um, they're really struggling because they can't see the kids. You know, they, they really miss um, seeing their students. And, and it's really, I mean, they're becoming pretty upset about it. And, um, you know, so just checking in with them and, and they, they want you to check in, honestly, they want to see your kiddo's smiling face and um, they're, they're, they're really out of sorts right now. This isn't, this isn't why we all went into teaching. Um, so yeah, check in. And, and if you're not getting, again, if you're not getting an answer, um, you know, I always suggest starting with the, the educator and then moving up, but whatever you need to do, get, get your answer you know, get a hold of someone. Um, no, really no one is in their offices at this moment. So email is going to be your best way. And then, um, you know, I've been just shooting back, you know, give me a call on my cell or I'll set up a Google Hangout and we can talk. Um, but, you know, calling offices are not going to be a good option. Um, a lot of us don't even have that forwarded in any way. So, um, you know, go ahead and send it send it via email or text if you have their cell phones. So here's the big question that I know is going through a lot of people's minds. Um, I have a senior this year, so I know it, at one point it was going through our family's mind as well. But how does statewide testing being waived affect students this year? And how could it affect graduation? So statewide testing will not impact our students. Um, there's no penalty for them. Um, Obviously, growth, um, you know, we, we have the whole component of proficiency as well as growth calculations. Um, so we won't have proficiency results for next year because we won't have taken the assessment. Um, we also won't have growth data because we can't compare, you know, last year's to a year we haven't had. Um, for graduation, so I, I think, you know, I was on a call this morning with Dr. McCormick and, and the entire conversation was around graduation requirements. And so I would say just keep watching that. Um, it, there's going to be a lot of um, local decisions that are being made. Um, so there's, there's three, three prongs to kind of the, the test and um, two of them are going to be local district decisions. And so um, keep watching, you know, your district's guidance that comes out there. Um, I would also um, watch the governor's, um, the governor's making some decisions around graduation. So I think that's important to know as well. Um, 
around what that's going to be. And, and again, um, I believe that the governor and the state superintendent, Dr. McCormick, really believe that, that this isn't the student's fault. So they shouldn't get penalized in any way for this. Um, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't plan for this. And so, um, you know, unfortunately, our seniors are already missing proms and graduations and, you know, those things that, that we all might say are just momentous milestones that, you know, it's not fair that they don't get to experience um, as a senior. And, yeah. you know, we're all going to do our best to try to provide some of those, whether virtually or, you know, what, whatever that might look like. And um, even Dr. McCormick had the question today, can we, you know, if we use social distancing, can we still have graduation ceremonies? And she's like, I, you know, I can't answer that. That's a, that's a Department of Health um, concern. And, you know, we're, we're not going to talk through that. But um, the students won't be penalized. And, and, and really, I think m many people kept asking about I read three for our third graders. And, you know, what if they didn't pass it? And they're in fourth grade now, but they're supposed to retake it. We're not, we're not doing I read three. So, you know, a lot of those assessments, they're not happening. Um, AP assessments, you know, if you're, if you have a student that might be in an AP course and, you know, they're, the, the expectation is they need to go to college and they want to get that credit, um, they're, they're being very flexible with some of those assessments where they're, they're going to have to happen in the home, um, SAT, ACT, um, the military, and uh, I think they got new guidance today from the Army um, was what Dr. McCormick was saying. So I think Again, it's every six hours that we know, but as of right now, um, there will be no penalty to students um, in regards to the state testing. And every state has been afforded the flexibility of not doing testing. It's all been waived um, from the national government. So I think it's not anything different for us. All right, now we're gonna dive into some of these hard questions. I know a lot of these, I've been kind of scanning them, um, are from some are from educators. So um, just bear with us as we go through these guys. So how should we deal with initial timelines? Should we ask parents to extend their permission, uh, rescind and obtain new permission? So um, this is specific to, uh, when they're talking about initial timelines, just for people who don't know, this is talking about um, when you're requesting an initial evaluation for a student for special education. Yeah, so, um, and, and I can speak um, kind of on a global, so a federal level, um, just because I've been so involved in the federal um, kind of landscape. And then also um, every district is gonna be a little different in what they do, but I, you know, as, as a federal level, um, really the, the hope is, and, and the request, we've, we've sent a letter um, requesting to OSEP that um, we get some flexibility in those timelines. Um, as you all know, if you've ever been through an evaluation for a student, um, there, there is part of it that really does have to be knee to knee with a student. Um, our, when we think about our protocols and the security of the testing environment, all of those things, um, really it's not appropriate to do virtually. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not sending, and again, for the student and family safety and the staff safety, we're not sending people in um, to do those. Um, so the, the request is that we would toll those timelines, so we would pause them. Um, 
and, and we're not sure they would really be appropriate in light of the circumstances anyway. Right. The student is not in their typical environment. We wouldn't want them to um, perform at a decreased level because of this change in environment or an increased level because of the change in environment and not provide um, accurate results for the testing. Because again, we're making some eligibility decisions that are pretty significant. We want it to be a real true environment that you know the testing environment is in so um kind of thinking through that what we've done in our district is for um, some families we've asked them if we could pause the timeline and um, we're still doing a lot of the work um, so when you think about some evaluations there are um, social developmental histories that we need to gather so we can do that via phone call um, or surveys um, there are some behavioral rating scales that the teachers, you know, luckily we're not out too long, that the teachers could fill those out based on their experience with the student when they were in the classroom. Parents can do the same for the home setting. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of work that can be done by our school psychologists and evaluation teams that don't require knee to knee. Um, and then the, the pieces that do require the need to need, then those would be done as soon as we're able to physically be together. Um, and we can get those done in a timely manner and get the evaluation report written. Um, so I think uh, the request to OSEP, I think it was a 45 day um, kind of grace period is that we would get 45 days to finish the knee to knee the observations and get the report written in order to get to families um, and, and know that the federal government is on a 60-day timeline where Indiana chose to take the 50-day timeline um, for evaluation so that's just just for your um, you know because you might think wow 65 days or 45 days that seems like not very much but for the federal government and most states you know they're thinking 60 days so um, and, and most, most school psychologists that I've spoke with, they have said, you know, we're gonna, we're still working. You know, we're gonna get everything done that we can get done, um, but then we'll be ready to go, you know, once we're able to get those um, observations and protocols done with students. Okay. So um, I'm assuming that this is a teacher because she says, he or she says, how am I going to get all of my students required minutes if I'm unable to contact them due to the lack of resources? Yeah, so um, again, some, some families just, they just, it's just too much, right? So we have to give them grace and it's okay. Um, I think what we, what I've suggested to my educators that are kind of in that um, boat is just, um, you know, just keep trying to reach out you know, today might not be a good day, but maybe tomorrow is or next week. Um, offer supports, offer, you know, just maybe not be, um, I need to do this, right? We're not, it's not about compliance. It's about common sense. Um, just offer up, maybe ask, what do you need? Um, is there anything you need? And do that, you know, via email. Um, you know, we always say if, it, if it's not documented, it didn't happen. Um, I say that to families too. Uh, make sure that you have things documented so that you have your evidence as well. And so you want to get that via email. Um, you know, in Indiana IEP, we have the communications tab that you can keep track as an educator of your documentation and communication. Um, 
one of the things that I would say to families and educators is that, um, you know, we're not sure what we're going to remember from this time based on where our brains and anxiety are and stress level. So, you know, as much as you can keep track in, in some space, keep track of it. Um, because in a year from now, you know, are you going to remember what you did on April 7th, 2020? Probably not. Um, you know, we, we know that the cortisol is in our brains going crazy and we're just surviving. We are truly in fight, flight, or freeze at this point um, for most of us. And so, um, you know, when, when your brain is in that space, it's, it's very likely that you're not going to remember um, that that's your body's coping mechanism when you're in that space. So um, write it down, document it. Again, continue to offer supports and services. And as a family, if you are not, if you're just not there, it's okay to say, I don't want any support right now. Um, you know, we're just trying to get by. We're just taking it day by day. That's okay. Um, or you could even say as a family, you know what, contact me in a week. I'll, I'll, I need to get through this week first, and then I'll let you know. Um, that's okay, too. And, and it's not, you're not harming your child by saying that I just can't do this. It's okay. Um, and I think that's the piece that, um, you know, we've tried to make sure families understand and educators understand that, you know, we got to give each other grace because everybody's in a different space in this time. And um, we want to make sure that we're not being overburdensome and we're not, you know, saying, well, I have these IEP minutes and they have to be met. No, that's, you know, with the, unfortunately, we're, we're just in a different circumstance right now. And um, we now, even more than ever, we have to work as a team and know that there's give and take and know that, you know, we have to be flexible with each other. So the next one is um, pretty um, political, um, but I've heard that uh, Betsy DeVo DeVos is trying to waive all federal special education regulations during COVID-19. Can you provide any insight into that? Sure. So I have been watching that as well. Um, and I'll, even though I go to Washington, D.C. every summer to advocate for students and educators and families with disabilities, I will try not to be political. Um, so I think, um, the request has been that we have flexibility in the services and supports in the requirements of IDEA in this moment. Um, we are not requesting that um, anything change in IDEA. Um, we believe it is, it is written well. Um, it provides services and supports to families and our students in the way that we feel best meets the needs. Um, again, why we're not revising IEPs um, in our district, and, and I can say that for Marion County as well. I can't speak outside of Marion County, but um, we have chosen not to revise IEPs because we want their stay put to be the IEP that we created as a team that we best felt met their needs. And again, um, you know, this isn't, we're not talking FAPE right now in this pandemic. We're in an emergency situation. Um, so I, I think, you know, hopefully she will hear us loud and clear from the field that that, that is not our request. We don't want um, the regulations to be changed. 
what we want is just flexibility during the short term. We hope, we hope it's short term that, um, you know, some, some, of the, some of the timelines is a great example. Um, you know, we, we are not going to put students and families at risk of being exposed to COVID-19 because we have to do an initial evaluation and we have to sit knee to knee with a kid. We are not, we are not gonna put them in that jeopardy. And um, they need to relax and provide that, that flexibility in those timelines. Another piece of that would be um, districts and, and states, it, it goes to the state and then to districts, um, have federal indicators. So we have 20 federal indicators in special education that we're required to um, follow. And so when I worked for the State Department of Ed, I had three indicators that I was responsible for ensuring that schools and districts had support in meeting those federal indicators. Because then as a state, we had to provide that back up to the federal government. Well, one of those is meeting initial timelines. And so um, one of our questions to her was um, if you don't provide some flexibility, every single state and every single district will need to do a corrective action plan for that because we're all gonna be out of compliance. Um, not our fault, but just the circumstances that we're in. Um, is that something that the federal government and the state governments can even handle and support? And the question or the answer is no, they can't. Um, and, and really, is that even appropriate to spend time on when we could be spending time on providing supports to students and providing supports to families and staff um, to support the students? So I think that's, that's been the request, at least from the field. Um, and I know, I know I, I'm just as concerned as some families that I've talked to that um, are concerned that it's, it's going to get stripped. Um, and we're not going to have the um, kind of protections in idea that we've we've needed we've we use and we um, need. Um, so I I would hope that that wouldn't happen. Um, I know as educate as an educational community that is definitely not our request um, that that happened. The, the request really is about flexibility and a few timelines um, that that we have that we don't, we're not functioning in fate right now. Um, what our fate decision is really needs to stay in our typical everyday. Now, if, if we're in e-learning for a year, that's a whole nother story. But we um, don't believe, at least in, in our district and in Marion County districts, that we should re revise or change the IEP and change the offer of fate to this very short term um, because then what can happen is we go back to school in July and we now have to revise, you know, for my district it's 2,500 or a little over that um, IEPs that are going to go back to the way they were because we really truly felt as a team that was the offer of fate. And so I, I don't know if that makes sense or if, if maybe some of the families would agree or disagree to that, but but really, again, I, I would be concerned that um, as a family, if it were my child, that we revise the IEP to be this short amount of provisions due to our e-learning, and then we go back into the school setting, and then what, um, you know, what would 
keep us from not just keeping it that way and and the student actually needing more provisions and so again it's just that you know maybe i'm being a protectionist but i i want to make sure that fape that that all of the team members knew was appropriate continues to stay put so we only have a couple of minutes left and we're obviously oh. not going to get to the 26 questions <laughs> sorry no, it's totally fine. Um, so I want to encourage everyone, if you have questions, please um, email them to insource um, at insource.org and we will be happy to get your questions answered um, and get that back to you. Um, because we do feel that your questions are really important. I also want to point out on our website that we have a lot of resources. Um, I saw that there were some comments um, from Michelle, Michelle Oja about it, that, but that on our in-source website, um, we do have all the links to all the guidance from the Department of Education um, and from the Federal Department of Education um, for about things going on during this time period. And again, like, like Tara had commented during this time of emergency. So um, I just wanna make sure that we get to that um, and make sure that you guys, please know, please send your questions to um, our website because we will be happy to, um, to, to, to do that. Tara, there's some, um, some general questions here. Um, approximately how many hours of work per grade are are being expected at this point. I know that that's something that's pretty general. Yeah, every district is is probably doing something different. Um, ours just increases like by 30 minutes, I think at the most, um, as we kind of get go up and it's a pretty wide span. Um, so at the high school level, you know, it's, it's by course. Um, it's dependent on the coursework that they're taking. Um, so, you know, you just kind of have to see what your district is offering um, and what their guidance is. I don't know that there's necessarily national guidance on that. I haven't seen any. Um, but again, we're taking our guidance from our e-learning experts. Um, that's their, you know, that's their cup of tea. So I let them tell us and then we take that and figure out what our special ed services are going to look like within that. Um, the other big question I think I've heard a lot about is what can we expect ESY to look like for so for those who don't know extended school year to look like during this time if this continues during the summer yeah and is there any talk about that yeah actually Dr. McCormick um, not necessarily speaking about ESY but she was talking about like summer camps and summer learning opportunities and um, you know at this point she's saying don't schedule them um, because we don't know that we're going to be out of this um, even in June. Um, so I think at this point, um, we're kind of waiting to see what that looks like. Now, um, there has been a lot of conversation between comp compensatory education and extended school year, which are two very different things. Some people are getting them confused um, and kind of treating them as the same. So right. you do want to make sure that, you know, you, you understand those are different. Um, so for compensatory ed services, those will be calculated based on, you know, what, what do you feel like the need is. Um, for extended school year, we're looking at regression. We're looking at patterns of regression. Um, a lot of our families had already had that conversation before um, we went on remote learning. Um, if, a, if a student truly needed extended school year, for most of our kiddos, it was probably already decided. Um, that they were or weren't going to have extended school year. Again, what that's going to look like, it's probably depending on what the governor's orders are. 
Um, if we're still in remote learning, it'll look very similar to what they're experiencing now. Um, so either packets or online learning or, um, you know, kind of a variety of those. Um, if the governor has let that go, um, you know, your extended school year services will look similar to what they have in your district probably previously, you know, we'll do some, um, we do all kinds of things in our district. It's very individualized. So um, it could be one-to-one, -one, it could be small groups, meeting at the library, it could be at a school. Um, it just depends on, you know, what your district typically does. And if we're allowed to go back to whatever our typical, typical is, and that's going to probably come from the governor. Perfect. Well, thank you, Dr. Reinhardt, for joining us today and for um, sharing your expertise and what your district is going through right now. Um, I know that it's trial for everybody and um, there's lots of information and, and facts out there and then there's also questions. So again, I just want to direct everyone, if you have questions, please go to insource at insource.org email us your questions, um, or please feel free to check out our, our website uh, for all of the COVID-19 resources that we do have available from the Department of Education. Um, I think some of the questions that I've seen in the Q&A box can be answered by some of that um, guidance that's been handed out by the Department of Education. So please check that out for more answers to um, some timeline questions and um, if you should be having a case conference during this time or if you shouldn't, there's all sorts of guidance on there about that. So thank you, Dr. Reinhardt, for your time. We appreciate it. And thank, thank you. you, everybody. Bye, guys. Hi, everyone. This concludes our meeting.